So this morning I, I was inspired. I inspired myself last week. Anybody says amen to that? Like, professor can inspire yourself. Anyway, I talked last week just about some simple instructions after the resurrection. I use the analogy of my children and how sometimes I can communicate the simplest of instructions that can become the most complicated processing for them. So when I say it, it seems very simple to me. The instruction is very uh, upfront, yet they choose or reason why they can do it the way they want to do it and not do what the best they do. Uh, I talked about how sometimes we're children of God and we tend to do the same thing with this simple instruction to us. Last week we talked about the simple instruction of going and telling. Our church, and what I feel like, I remember when, when I came to Crawford and, and I went and, and we had this pastor's meeting and, and there was a pastor there, his name was John Palmer. He was talking to us just kind of in a coaching session about being pastors. And he started talking about vision and purpose statements and they were something that I just was never very good at. And I remember leaving that meeting and driving home and I felt like God gave me this purpose statement for our church. And I thought it was profound. I mean, I just thought this was, this was rich stuff. It was simple stuff. I looked online and like 95% of churches in America had the same purpose statement or lots of others did. But it was still something, something very real to me. You know what I, I see is that as humans, we can often take the simplest of things and make them way too complicated. We can take church and make church way more complicated than God ever designed it to be. And so there were some verses that, that I had read, there were some things that I had read when it came to Christ Community Church in Crawford, Nebraska. This was 2010, because I went back and read my sermon this week that I had preached when I introduced what I felt like was the purpose that God had for our church. And there's something that can happen in the midst of time, there's something that can happen in the midst of what we do that we can lose sight of the very purpose, the simple things that God tells us to do. He says, go and tell, and we're too busy like shining up our shoes and, and rehearsing our sermon and we forget to leave our house. We start to head out and we see this person and that person and we just get distracted in the way and we don't do the simple things that God calls us to do. As a pastor, I want to make sure that our purpose stays before us. That we know why we're here and what we're doing. So that verse, for me, that, that really spoke to my heart about the simplicity of what the church really is designed to be. It's going to be found in Matthew chapter 22. I'm going to pray. God, we pray this morning your presence. We thank you for the anointing upon worship. And we ask for continued anointing in this room. For what is heard, for what is spoken. Simplify it for our hearts. Holy Spirit, we ask that you speak directly to us, that it wouldn't be the words of man, but your words that come in us and through us this day, in Jesus' name. Amen. So one of them was an expert in the law that tested him, that being Jesus, with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replies, Love the Lord your God. With all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the laws of the prophet hang on these two commandments. As a young pastor, I just thought, man, if I pastor a church who gets the greatest and second greatest commandment, all right, then we're going to do pretty good in the kingdom of God. 
Like, that is what God placed on my heart. Like, if we can do these two things, then maybe, just maybe, we'll be effective in the kingdom of God. Maybe, just maybe, we'll see God's purposes accomplished for us. You know, we get so worried about the hows and the whys and the whats. And Jesus was confronted with a question. This is supposed to be a question that was going to trip him up. And the, and, and the guy says, hey, what's the greatest commandment in all of all? Like, if there's one thing that we can get, the one thing that we can do right. That's really the essence of this question, right? Like, what's the one thing? We got all the law. Don't read the law. Read about tattoos and about cutting your hair and about what you eat and about what you drink and about where you go and about who you touch and what happens. Just read all the laws. This guy said, hey, we got all these things. All this stuff. What's the one thing? And if you could tell us one nugget, and Jesus says, here you go, I'll give it to you. Tell the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And love your neighbor. Right? And love your neighbor, just that. Christ Community Church, I say that we exist in church to love God, to love people, and make an impact in the world. I believe that when we effectively do these two commandments, that we will genuinely see impact in our world. I believe that we're living in that. I believe that we're experiencing that. I believe that we're seeing that. That we're recognizing that as we authentically love God, and we genuinely love people, we see we're experiencing impact in and around us. And sometimes the greatest impact is in ourselves. But sometimes simple things can become real complicated. Love God. Oh, I love God. I love God. I ironed my shirt. Do you know how much I love God? Jim brushed his hair this morning. And I think sometimes we say these things and like we just assume like we're good. Like, yeah, I love God. But Jesus, when he gave us that commandment, he gave us some instructions. Because loving God is a simple command, but it's a pretty immense idea. And so he says, when, when I tell you about loving God, I want to ask you to love God with all. They didn't leave us hanging on this one. With all what? With all your heart. What is, what is he saying when he talks about with all your heart? It's from the Greek word karia. It's the seat of life, the center or the source of inner life, of the emotions, of the will, and approaches the sense of consciousness and its foundation. Some verses where we see the same, same word heart. This is how my heavenly Father will treat you unless you forgive your brother from your, your heart. You brood of vipers, how, how evil are you? Or how can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks of what the heart is full of. A good man brings good out of the evil things stored up in him, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. This this center, this emotional center of us, where often things come from. Your heart. You know, we say we love God with our heart, but I promise if, if, if we truly recognize this, if I just use the word love God with all your emotions, 
with all of our heart. That's this, that this emotional core of who we are. That's this, this piece in us in which things come from out of out the abundance of the heart. This, this, this thing inside of us, the mouth speaks. Sometimes I recognize that, boy, I'm not doing very good showing love from my heart. Like it's hard sometimes because we're emotional people and we're driven by what's around us for, for our love to fully come from our heart. He says, love me with all of that. He doesn't just say with all your heart. Because some of us say, well, I got that, that's very good. Well, then he says, how about this, with all your soul? What does it mean to love God with all of your soul. And this is kind of a hard word for us at times to define. You know, other translations actually, well, other gospel accounts of this will say your soul and strength. You know what I mean? Like, there's something about your life. Something about, not just this inward emotional, this inward thing inside of you, but your life with all that you are. That's what your soul truly is. It's who you are. It's the essence I have in, in, of who a person is, their vitality and their reason for living. Matthew chapter 10. It says, whoever finds their life, that's the same word soul that Jesus is speaking of. Whoever finds their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. Again, we see this in Matthew chapter 12. He says to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must take up their cross and follow me forever. Whoever wants to, to save their life, there's this word again, will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good would it be for someone to gain the whole world yet to forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone exchange, give in exchange for their soul? So sometimes the emotional expression, that piece, you know, I, I, I kind of think uh, of that in, in, in relationships, we get there with the emotion, but then when it comes to ourself, like when God starts asking us to do the hard things with our life, you know, I'm a pastor, so I get to have these moments where I had to lay down a whole bunch in order to do what God wants me to do. I remember when I was in college and I, I wanted to be a doctor. That's who I was going to be. That's what I wanted to be. That's where I wanted to go. And God had called me into ministry and I told God that this would work really well because I've seen stories about medical missionaries and I would be a phenomenal medical missionary. Let me just get what I want. And I went to the University of Google and I studied mathematics because I was told that, well, I like math anyway. I'm not going to justify too much math. I think probably what's got love language, if you ever want to know that. He, just, he designed it into awesome. Love God with all. And so I was studying math and I was in a pre-med program at the University of Google and got psychology. I He said, no, I, I've called you. What are you doing? <laughs> I'm just getting my degree so I can be like, I'll be in a magazine one day, huh? Write a story about me, about all the great things you're doing in like Zimbabwe. Through me. He said, but I called you to be a pastor. But God, I remember 
Tell my grandma when I was just, and she never let me forget this until the day she died, when I was this tall, that I was going to heal her legs. I was going to come up with a way as a doctor to get those marks off of her legs. Because she, she had various things that she can't do anything now. She's dead. So I'm okay to share that in public. It was my, my heart. It was my identity. But let my identity just become a part of yours. Your plan for my life. Just let me do it this way. Watch. What I've got planned, what I've got in store for me, I promise it'll be great. But I promise you, one place that wasn't on my plan was Crawford, Nebraska. And I don't forget. I think it was a guy out there that can or not to make you feel real good about yourself. I was at a conference. Someone prayed over me. And God said, I called you to be a pastor. And I had to lay it all down. Okay, God. I can't go to the University of Louisville to accomplish what you want me to do. So I have to love you with all. It's my identity. That's my plans. That's my desires. That's what I want. I have to lay it before you and watch you, God, be you. You know, I, I, I talk about this season of my life because I remember my first semester or three semesters of college, I was just not happy because I wasn't loving them at all. I just didn't make friends. I didn't connect with people. Things just didn't feel right. It wasn't right. It was this challenging season of my life that all I can define it by was being so unsettled. And you know what happened after that conference? After I said, God, I'll go. I didn't leave right away because you know we could never get there right away. <laughs> we got to finish things up. I took a detour in Kentucky for a little while too, but that's besides the point. Suddenly, because I laid down all, I had peace. And suddenly, because I laid down all, I was engaging with other people. I didn't have many friends my first few semesters in college. All of a sudden, like, I'm going to be there one last semester, so I shouldn't be making friends. I should be getting rid of friends. You know what I mean? Like, that was before the internet and FaceTime. Well, not quite the internet, but the internet was like, <laughs> and then it wouldn't work, and they would do it again, like, <laughs> Just open for That's what the internet was dead, sorry. Everybody here can understand it, I think. You guys, maybe not, right? <laughs> so I should be getting rid of friends, and all of a sudden I had more friends than I'd made the entire time in my life. And it was because I was willing to not hold on to myself. But because I showed that I'll love you with my life. Life laid down. I give you everything. Loving God with all wasn't just about your heart and your soul, but it was also about your mind. Talk about that one. I didn't get this heart thing, I didn't lay down my life. I'll tell you what, you don't want to know what I'm thinking, Pastor. There's a reason why in the full armor of God he talks about a helmet of salvation for our minds. I tell you, 
that we need a helmet of salvation that protects our mind from the fire of God's hand. And he said, love me with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. In 1 John uh, uh, chapter 5, he said, we also know that God, we also what? We know, I'm sorry. We know also. Your mind is where you know, that's where your knower is, right? We know also that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding. He's given us understanding so that we may know what is true. We are in Him and in, in Him who is true, even in His Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. And sometimes we have to convince ourselves of what we know. We're just talking in Sunday school about joy. Joy that the Scripture describes as unspeakable. So after our Sunday school, to tell us what joy is because I like to do those mental exercises. And really the result of joy is eternal. It is. And sometimes our minds, they're controlled by what is temporary, right? So God, if I go, I won't know anyone. I remember people rationalized with me when this place of Crawford, Nebraska came up. I'll say this, there weren't a whole lot of glowing endorsements for us to come to Crawford, Nebraska. I'm talking about people who pastor. I'm talking about people who live in the city of Nebraska. You're going uh, where? Do you know? I remember. I had a, a, a pastor look at me and said that would be a terrible career choice.
And sometimes I believe that in our faith journeys, we need to just look and see, hey, do I see a trail mark? And the cool thing about trail markers were they place them close enough that you should always be able to see one when you're on the trail. You should. Sometimes vegetation and other things happen. But when you're on that trail, you should always be able to see the next marker so you can make sure you're getting to where you're going. Why am I saying all this? There's a church in the book. It's got a chapter or several chapters in, in this book. It was started by someone who was pretty good at getting churches going. His name was Paul. Right? Paul was pretty good at starting churches. He was a pretty good teacher. He was pretty persuasive. He was pretty accomplished in what he did. And Paul wrote to this church in, in, in the book of Ephesians, though it was the church of Ephesus. And I want you to see what Paul wrote. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Paul was proud of his church. Right? I mean, this is the beginning of life. We talked about James. James talked about consider pure joy when you face trials of many God. He started hearing the book of Ephesus. Hey, I've heard about how great your faith is and how incredible your love is for the people of God. I mean, this is awesome. Paul's feeling good. Like, this is a church that's going to look good. It's going to be good for my resume when I, when I apply uh, to be bishop or something. Like, this is going to be a really good example of what's happening. I mean, he's proud of this church. I keep asking that the Lord, the God, the Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. As he's concluding this, he's, he's reading a prayer for them. So he not only knows that they're doing really good, but then he begins to pray for them. And this is what he prays. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you be what? Rooted and established in love. The church of Ephesus was defined by Paul. The way Paul described him was the church people who were rooted and established in love. When he heard about them, when, when he talked to them, when he wrote to them, that's who they were. They were the lucky church. Can't be makes fun of me sometimes. I sometimes pastor talk about love, and I didn't know what he's talking about. I mean, they were the love people. They just love people, they love God. They were just weird people. I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power Together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, how long, how high, and how deep is the love of Christ. His prayer is that they would know the fullness of that love. And to know that this love surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the full measure of all the love of God. Like Paul is praying this for the church in Ephesus. There are church that's known for the love. They're a church that their pastor is encouraged, or their, their pioneers encouraged to hear about their love. He's praying for their love. They're, they're known as being rooted and established. Like, that's, that's who they are. They're, they're the people who, who set out on the trail of love. That's their trail marker. They're going, and they're going to love God and love people. Pastor Steve was there for a profound purpose statement, and they followed it. I want to jump to the book of Revelation. To the angel of the church in Ephesus. Right. These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. 
I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, but that you've tested those who claim to be apostles, but are not, and have found them false. This is sound good. This church, Paul did a good job. You've persevered. You've endured hardships for my name. You've not grown weary. I mean, this sounds like everything is going great. What have you done? I've heard about your deeds. This is the angel life. That'd be pretty cool. The angel Lord shows up and says, Hey, church in Christ, community church in Crawford, we've heard about what you've been doing. God's talked to me about the things that have been accomplished. I've heard about the good deeds. I've heard about the things that are happening. I've seen the way you can't tolerate wicked people. I've seen the way you tested those who claim to be apostles, but they're, they're false. Like you have it on to the truth. You, you pursued the truth. I watched you endure and persevere. Yes! Let's put this one on the bridge. Verse 4. Yet I hold this against you. You've forsaken the love that you had at first. How? He says, consider how far you've fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you don't repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. How do we go from, from when Paul's writing them a letter about their love and being known for love and being rooted and established in love to this letter from, from the angel to the church in Ephesus to the, to the big concern that that church that they fallen away from their first love. You know, if we're not honest with ourselves and we're not looking for track markers, it's easy to get distracted. It's easy to wander. When I was on those trails in Kentucky, there were lots of rocks that you could climb on. And you'd go climb on a rock for a while, and then you'd see a bigger rock and a better rock, and you'd go climb on that rock for a while, and then you'd see something cool over there, and you'd go climb on that for a while, and then you'd see something pretty over there, and you'd go the other way because you didn't want to be dealing with pretty, you wanted to climb it yourself. All of a sudden you're looking... <laughs> They were walking with the Lord. They were rooted and established in love, yet they got distracted from the main thing. They were great at deeds. They were great at doing. set out to accomplish. I'm looking 12 years down the road. And I just want to make sure for myself, for our church, for, for, for who God has us to be, that we're still on the mark. Like, I still want to be on that trail. This loving God with all, it's not really that easy. Sometimes I'm good with loving Him, 
with all my heart, but my mind gets in the way. And other times I'm good at loving you with my whole self, like who I am and what I do. But I'll tell you what, my heart is in a completely different place because I see something or hear something that I don't like. You have a kid? Sometimes things come to me. This week I got one of those things. And I struggled with loving. Because my heart, in my mind, myself is still there. I'm still faster. I'm still doing what God's called me to do. But my heart, in my mind, began to run off the trail. And I started becoming more consumed with what was said or what was written and what others might think and what others might. It was nothing like that. I mean, it's not that it was enough to consume me. I want to love God with all. You guys can come forward. I think that same song will work again. You know how God says to show sure you love Him? He says in the Gospels, he says it in the book of First John. He says, if you love me, you will obey my commands. If you love me, you'll submit to what I want. If you love me, you'll stay on the trail that I've set before you. If you love me, you'll look for the trail marker and make sure your heart, your mind, your soul, who you are, is giving me everything. Sometimes I just need to stop. And I need to think, and I'll tell you, and this is faster being maybe more candid, I feel like sometimes I'm better at loving people than I am at loving God. That's what happened to the church in Ephesus. They got so concerned with, with the deeds and the things that they were doing and taking care of people with the wrong side of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We love why? Because he loved us first. That's in First John as well. We can love because God demonstrated his love for us. How did he demonstrate his love? He sent his son, Jesus Christ. Why? So that, that we can have life and have it to the full. We have a trail marker this morning. And he said, do this in remembrance of me. We have an opportunity this morning as we participate in communion to see how we're doing on that trail. When, when the book of Revelation was written, the angel says, consider how far you fall and repent be the things you did at first. You know, sometimes when you get off the trail, you got to go back to the last place to be on the trail. The last place that you knew you were going where you need to be. You know, in your life, if you're wrestling with, do I love God at all? Is this something that maybe I'm wavering on or struggling with. I just encourage you. This morning we're going to go to a place where I promise love is with you. Maybe you need to reconsider what this means. You're holding a, a, a cracker and a little cup of juice. It's symbolic of so much more. As we're, as we're participating in this moment, what you're holding is the reality of a body that was broken for you. So that you could be part of his body. What you're holding is a cup that's filled with some grape juice, but it's symbolic of the blood of 
ready to drink this cup and proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. I'm going to pray and I'm going to let you do communion with the Father. We're doing it corporately, but I want you to do it with the Father. We're singing this song. Take a moment to, to partake in the body and blood of Christ. Father, we thank you for the love that's been demonstrated to us. We thank you for the body of Christ. We thank you for the blood of Jesus Christ. We thank you for the table that was set, the blaze that is before us, so that we can be certain, God, for all that path this day. The church in Ephesus was called to repent because they had lost their first love. God, if I need to change this day, because I've lost sight of your love, let me change. If I need to move this day and reposition myself because I've lost sight of your love, let me reposition myself. Let me get back on the path, God, that you set before me. But as we partake, we receive love of Jesus Christ. God loves you. It's eternal. It's absolute. It is. God wants you to know His love so you can stay on the path that He set before you. We love God with all. The Lord bless you May he make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you. May he turn his face towards you and grant you his peace. And may you know his love so you can show him love.